Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today with Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And Phil Fariska. Hey, everyone. And Melissa Cavanaugh. Hello. And today, we're kind of following up on last week's episode. So if you didn't listen to last week's, it's a great episode. We talked about what, Pete? Pokemon newsjacking. Well, not just Pokemon, but newsjacking in general, right? And sometimes where it goes right, sometimes where it goes wrong. And when it goes wrong, you get a lot of flack and you have to deal with that on social media. So today we're going to dedicate more on when you have a PR crisis, usually on social media, when something happens at your property that's terrible in some ways to some people and people just start shouting at you, right? So that's what we're going to focus on today. But before we do, as always, we're going to start with a news roundup. So what's been going on in the news, Pete? Well, one thing that I saw that was really interesting is Expedia purchases a photo sharing site, which was called Trover. That's really interesting to me because you know, we're seeing TripAdvisor go more and more into the OTA realm. Now we're seeing OTAs go more and more into the social content and TripAdvisor realm. So we're starting to see, I think, a battle set up you know, in the near future. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this on a few episodes of the podcast, but certainly TripAdvisor wants to become an OTA. They're, they're doing real-time booking now, instant booking, something that we offer at Fuel and a lot of people are offering. They've been doing uh, in, uh, TripConnect for a while as well, but now they're doing their instant real-time booking on TripAdvisor because they already have the consumers. Expedia wants to do the same thing TripAdvisor is doing, and but from the opposite side, they want to get the reviews, they want to get the photos, they want to be the one-stop shop. Who's going to win? What I mean, what do you guys think? You know, both of them, the OTAs combined and TripAdvisor, both have one loyal customer bases for each of their companies. And they both have great assets in terms of either the distribution channels or the review platform. So it's going to be, it's going to be a battle who can get their other, you know, complementary platform up and running the quickest and has the best marketing campaign to win yeah, customers over. Yeah, consumer adoption, you know. And, and, it's, it's interesting because right now, you know, people, most people think of reviews, think of TripAdvisor, right? But when they think of bookings, there's, it's a little more splintered, right? Although technically we know that Priceline owns a bunch of people and Expedia Group owns a bunch of people, there's really only two major groups. The reality is for a consumer, you've got Orbitz and Trivago mm-hmm. and Travelocity and Priceline and Hotels.com. You've got all these different brands, which people tend to be creatures of habit and book on one, right? So a lot of people use TripAdvisor and insert one of the OTAs here. So to me, TripAdvisor has a better chance of getting everyone over to them versus these all these splintered OTAs trying to grab all the TripAdvisor people. That's just my take. What I really think will happen, honestly, and we talked about this before in a previous episode, is either Priceline Group or Expedia Group, one of the two might buy TripAdvisor. That, that would just kind of be game set a match because if they don't the OTAs run the risk of being marginalized you know Google's already trying to kind of push them out with HPA TripAdvisor's trying to put them out push them out with uh, instant book and the hotels really don't like the OTAs it's kind of a necessary evil so I'd say the advantage is to TripAdvisor at this point is their game to lose yeah I mean they're both working together now but I mean to your point as we see TripAdvisor grow their OTA-ish business, at some point they may have to look at the OTAs and say, well, we're gonna cut you off, go all in, 
and, you know, at that point, what happens to, you know, the OTAs? It could be tricky. Yeah, I don't know. They might lose some of their value, though, if they if they go ahead and do that. And that's why people go to TripAdvisor, right? They get the check prices from multiple places. Yeah, but as much as they're pushing that instant book anyway, you're starting to see the individual ones get pushed out. Yeah, I mean, for our clients to be using both instant book and TripConnect, we're seeing the majority of revenue now is coming from instant book. Mm-hmm. It's not right. coming from TripConnect, which, you know, it, I think that trend's going to continue. So yeah. Watch this space, I guess. All right, what's next, Phil? Do you have a news item? Yeah, um, there was a recent update to Google Maps. Um, so Google Maps kind of expanded their ability to add missing places and, and also edit existing businesses um, through the Maps app as well as Google Search. But um, yeah, Google users can make updates to Maps listings. There's a little link there now that says Suggest and Edit. Um, user clicks on Suggest and Edit. They can add different details like this place has a romantic vibe or there's an outdoor patio, you know, different types of amenities or ambiance type things. But the cool part is the suggestions are able to be verified by other users. You don't have to wait for Google to do it. So if you see a maps listing, it might say someone suggested new info. You can click on that notification. Um, And then other users have the ability to say whether the statement's accurate or not. And if the statement gets enough accurate votes, it's going to end up being published to the Google Maps listing. Um, so for hotels purposes, you know, this is definitely another way to promote features and amenities on the property, but it's also another place to manage reputation. So it's kind of putting it in the user's hands, the Google user's hands to say what they want about a property. And if other people agree, they can verify it and it ends up on your Maps listing. You know, it's crazy that they haven't come up with this before. Yeah, they, they bought Waze several years ago, and I don't know if anyone's ever gone kind of beyond the app version of Waze and used their site. They let you draw a road if it doesn't exist, and oh, their algorithm is cool. really cool. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. The way it works is they see if you've been on a road before, and that grants you rights to edit that road, and you can edit roads anywhere. I think it was like a 20-mile radius of where you usually travel. The more you travel those routes, the quicker your edits are pushed live to the Waze platform. It's all owned by Google, so you kind of wonder why they haven't married those two a little closer. Technically, it's Alphabet. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, crowd crowdsourcing of something of this scale makes sense. You know, rather than having paid employees driving around the Google cars and mapping out every new road, because that's one of the biggest kind of drawbacks of us relying on Google Ma- Google Maps or Apple Maps, whatever it is, is new construction. It, it takes a while to pick up. So this is, I think this is great. All right, what's next, Melissa? Well, being the data person that I am, I've got more data today, and it's a follow-up uh, to last week's podcast, more on the Pokemon craze. Um, this week, Ryan Solutions, and I've mentioned them in the past, usually it's about email marketing, but this week they released some data about... Um, hotels and their social media trends on Pokemon and seeing how many people are really jumping on that bandwagon. So they have looked at the Twitter posts of about 5,000 resort and hotel accounts um, and looked at it from starting from July 6th all the way through July 17th and found that at the peak of this time period, 5% of these hotels had mentioned Pokemon at least once. Um, in a Twitter post, which to me is just 
astronomical. It's, they all listened to our, our podcast last week. That must have been what it was. It was yeah. just so highly popular. Um, it has been on a decline since the peak uh, as of July 17th. We're down to just under 2%, but still 2% of 5,000 hotels is still pretty impressive. Um, but And you can see, uh, you'll be able to see the graph of the, the velocity of the takeoff of this trend um, in the show notes um, for the podcast. But it's pretty impressive to see how quickly it takes off, but then again, how quickly it's dropping off too. So it just goes to show, like, jump on the bandwagon when it's available and then jump off when it's time to go. Exactly, yeah. And we talked about timing in last week's episode about when, you know, get to it before it hits critical mass. And I mean, this this is a good illustration of that, right? That a lot of hotels were following that. Also, did you notice that Donald Trump must have listened to our um, podcast last week? Because the day after we we released that podcast saying you should news jack Pokemon Go, he came out with his uh, Hillary Clinton spoof on Pokemon Go. So, I, I mean, that to me is... 100% proof that Donald Trump listens to our podcast. Well, he is in the hotel business, so well, this absolutely, is true. he yeah, should be. Exactly. So like Melissa said, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, if you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on, what are we on, episode 15, 15. now? Wow. So uh, we've been going for 15 whole episodes, and we still have at least three people listening. So I'd say that <laughs> is a success. So let's jump into our topic. So we're talking about when the proverbial stuff hits the fan, right? not going to use a bad word because we don't want to be explicitly listed on iTunes, but when the stuff hits the fan, let's say, how do you react, right? So we've, we've come into this as an experience of ours with some of our clients where things have happened, usually outside of their control, not always, but you know how, how can we react? So do you, do you guys want to tell us a couple of little anecdotes about things that maybe without naming the properties, let's talk about some of the situations we've come across and there may be some that are more global. Yeah, and then I'll share a few that that we've seen. We'll tell you what the you know issue was, but then you gotta listen to the podcast and we'll wrap it up with what the solution was for all the properties after yeah. you hear the individual Good tease, Pete. recommendations we have. So the first one is there's a hotel who found out that if you did the name of the hotel, one the very first Google suggestion was hotel name bedbugs. Ooh. This wasn't necessarily a social, you know, alert like on a you know Facebook or Twitter or anything, but that's what people were searching for, and that caused a massive problem. Right. So if we back up a little bit, so Google Suggest is what drops down when you start typing into the search bar on on Google, and it usually appears when enough people have made a certain keyword search. Right. So in this case, what it tells us is. There must have been stories out there talking about this property having bed bugs for enough people to be typing in. But what makes it even worse now is anyone that's just typing in your property name is now seeing bed bugs. And I know from experience, if I see a suggest underneath my main intent query, I'm probably going to click on it if it's interesting. And, and if I'm staying at a hotel and I see bed bugs, I'm yeah. going to click on that. So it's a self-fulfilling problem. Yeah, so exactly. you see it, so you search for it. That yeah, type of thing can grow exponentially when you're talking about okay, that starts showing up and suggest. Everyone's gonna want to see what happens. Right, so it stays in suggest and moves up higher right. in suggest. Um, so terrible. There was a terrible situation, and really an unjust situation in in their particular case. Right. But we'll we'll kind of get into the how we handle that later. So what about uh, let's talk about the the mattress field. You remember that one? Um, that was the one where. Uh, 
a guest saw a coffee stain on a mattress and said something about it being blood, right? Yeah, so they they produced a video. And this luckily this was for Facebook Live video. It was just a, a simple old-fashioned YouTube video. But they, they apparently pulled the covers off the mattress to check it. And lo and behold, there was a big stain there that she claimed was blood stain and, and went off on a rant about... And this was a clearly delusional lady. I mean, she if you looked at her other videos, she was just a conspiracy theorist and had a lot, lot of nonsense that she was spouting on YouTube. But um, And she had the crazy eyes going on as well, <laughs> which is always an indicator. But she started speculating, saying, is this blood? We don't know. Was there a murder? We don't know. And th- the problem was this video, not only was it on YouTube, so if you search for the brand on YouTube, it was showing up, but it was showing up as a video s- result. This is back when Google really first started integrating re- different uh, results in the, the, the thumbnail, thumbnail of the image. And uh, in this case, the video thumbnail. So... It, whenever you search for the property name, you'd click on this video and it talked about murders and bloodstains on the mattress, which was clearly not a good PR situation. What, what about some others? Got any other examples of where this might happen? Well, we had a hotel in New York that decided it would be a really fun idea to find guests for leaving a negative review on Yelp. Uh, this was specifically in regard to wedding guests. Uh, they would find the bride and groom $500 for people who left a negative review on Yelp. Sounds like a great idea. <laughs> One, it's not legal yeah. for start, but two, it's just, I mean, terrible marketing. Yeah. And th- this one blew up on social media. Like a lot of people gave the property a lot of stick yeah. for doing this. Yes, yes. You, got, you look at the issue of one, what they did, but the more concerning thing, and we'll get into the details of it, is not what they did. And it's like this, you always see this happen when politicians get in trouble. It's not the thing you did to get in trouble, it's the lie you do to cover up the fact that you did something wrong. Exactly. Yeah, and they, they didn't handle it. We'll talk about how to handle these situations and how not to in this case. But you know how to prevent your guests from leaving negative reviews? Ooh, 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 ooh. Go ahead. Giving them the best customer service. Yeah, have, have a good product. Have clean rooms and good, friendly customer service. So, yeah, so those are the kind of situations we're going to be talking about today. So, when something happens, I think the most important thing is to, to take a step back and take a breath. A quick breath because you need to react fast. But there's a lot of different approaches that you may want to take depending on the situation. If people's lives are at stake or involved, if you know something's really controversial or if it's just a minor mishap, you might want to handle it a little differently. So what are some strategies depending on the scenario? So let's, we've got four or five here that we're going to go through and then we're going to get more granular into specific details. So what are some strategies? Pete, you want to start? Yeah, so strategy number one, once you see that something has happened, you want to see if you can first turn lemons into lemonade. More often than not, the issue that the customer may have or the guest or whomever it might be is not directly a issue you caused. It could have been just something that happened during their trip. If you can grab that and turn that into an opportunity to deliver over-the-top customer service and make it better, you end up taking something that was very negative and could really hurt you from a social perspective into a case study for all other hotels to do the right thing by their customer. Yeah, so a great example of that is Ritz-Carlton, right? When they had a a guest stay with them. And those of you that have kids that have like a little blanket or a little lovey or something, 
that thing is like not only the most important thing in the world to them, but it's also to the parents. Because if the kid loses that thing, I mean, they're not going to sleep for the next month. So this this family stayed at the Ritz Carlton, and the little little child lost his little lovey, which was called Pete. I think it was named after you. It was Petey the Giraffe, I think, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And left it at the hotel. So, obviously, he's freaking out. The family get home. They're freaking out because they can't find it. They contact the property. So, the property goes and looks for it, find it in the laundry. So, at that point, what what would most hotels do? They'd probably just mail it back. But, no, the Ritz-Carlton took this opportunity to say to the son... Well, you know what? He's going to have an extended. Petey is going to have an extended vacation. So they staged a bunch of photos, like Petey with sunglasses on, hanging out by the the pool, like in the gym, hanging out by the bar or the restaurant. So it looked like Petey was having a great time. And then they sent back a letter with Petey and these photos to the kid in a package saying how much fun he had. And he just extended his vacation. So of course the dad who maybe had a negative experience at the property because he lost his son's lovey while he was there, now writes a blog post saying, look at what these guys did. Not only did they send back, the, the look for it and find it and send it back, but they also went above and beyond. They surprised us, they, they wowed us with this. And he wrote this blog post and it just blew up. So they took something that was you know, a, a, lost, a lost product at the hotel and turned it into the social media goldmine of everyone now cites this as a a great ex- customer service experience. And how much did that actually cost them? Yeah, Nothing. Exactly. I mean, they was, did the right thing. Yeah, exactly. But they didn't just do the right thing. They went beyond right. the right thing, right? Because the right thing would have been mail it back and not yeah. charge them for the shipping, right? That would be what most hotels would have done. But to take the time to take photos and print those photos and, you know, it's a few hours. It's probably two or three hours of, of labor, which a lot of properties would say to their staff, no, you're not wasting your time on that. But... Th- they got so much, many links, so much publicity. I mean, I mean, you're still talking about it right now. Exactly. And this happened years ago. Yeah. And Ritz knew that people did not go to them to buy a hotel room. Mm-hmm. They go to them to buy an experience. They go to them to buy memories and everything that goes along with that brand. Right. They delivered above and beyond and it becomes a case study. Exactly. So really look for the opportunities. When there is some, when there's an unhappy guest, it's the best opportunity to turn them into a happy guest. Mm-hmm. So that's strategy number one. All right, so what's strategy number two, Phil? Um, so this is this is kind of when, when you have something like you were talking about earlier where the crazy lady made a video on you and it's turning up in search results. You need to create your own awesome content that's going to knock that out of the search results for you. Do that. You, to do that, I mean, you become an expert on the issue. Let's say, you know, it's it's... It's, say it's bed bugs, then you come out as the expert on bed bugs and getting rid of bed bugs and how your property did that type of thing. You know, put it out there and own that keyword. Don't let your hotel name bed bugs search query kill you. You need to you need to be able to step in and, and show what you've done and, and show how, how it's how it's been fixed. But one thing you need to, you know, make sure you do with that is is be very aggressive and, and be able to overwhelm that negative response and and, and really just kind of knock it down right out of the search results and you don't have to worry about it as much. Yeah, I like, I like that. I mean, that's what we employed both for the bed bug situation and the bed, the mattress situation. And we'll talk specifically about how we approach that in a little bit. Uh, so what's number three? Number three is own up and apologize. And in my humble opinion, I feel like this should be strategy number one. Uh, <laughs> really? They're not in order of magnitude. <laughs> this is just... 
I think that, you know, if you've done something wrong, go ahead, apologize for it, and mean the apology. People can, can cut right through the baloney when you're laying it on thick. They know whether you're being sincere or not. So be sincere in your apology, do the right thing. Um, and when possible, definitely go above and beyond to make whatever you've done wrong, make it right. Yeah, and don't give the, the classic apology that's a non-apology, right? Exactly. So a lot of people give the apology, well, I'm sorry you felt that way, <laughs> or I'm sorry you had that reaction. You know, that, then you're not sorry you did what you did, you're just sorry that I'm making a, a stink about it on social media. So actually own the, the, the root cause, right? And we'll talk about a real case of where that went horribly wrong. Um, what was the property with the, the breastfeeding? That was a property in Greece. Okay, so we'll, we'll talk Claridges. about that. It was Claridges, okay. Uh, we'll talk about that in the epic fails kind of situation. So, so let's put a pin on that one. We'll come back to apologize. It, it kind of goes back to DiGiorno. We talked about that last week in the newsjacking. When they tried to newsjack a hashtag that right. ended up being about domestic violence and they didn't realize it. So, I mean, it was an honest mistake. Could they have avoided it? Absolutely. But they did the right thing. They immediately apologized. And not only publicly on their main Twitter, but to every individual that, that made a comment about it, too. So they did the right thing in that case. And, and was it bad? Yeah, but I still eat DiGiorno because they did the right thing in the end. So what? And it's just like it's delivery. Well, <laughs> it's not um, delivery. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so what's number four, Pete? So number four is if you believe you are truly in the right and this customer is being completely over the top and irrational, you sometimes do have to fight back. You have to be super careful though because you don't really want to come across as the big corporation that's going out and stepping on the little guy. The saying that the customer is always right is, is correct to an extent. You have to make sure that they have their feelings in their grievance heard but if you haven't done anything wrong it's really important because you may be having a conversation with this customer but you're having it in a very open and transparent platform so you have to make sure that you're just not simply rolling over and making it appear that your property has bad service if this person was expecting something over the top make sure it's a clear cut case of right and wrong though you don't <laughs> want to have any ambiguity where you jump on this person you say no we understand how you're feeling, but that is not what happened. Get your information together right. Talk to if your front desk, your maintenance staff, your security, whomever it is, and make sure you know all the facts before you jump in and start defending yourself. This is a risky strategy, but it is an important one if you want to preserve your brand. Yeah, it's definitely the riskiest of all the strategies because it can certainly backfire, and we'll talk about a situation where that, that happened. But I think... It, it, if you are adamant, then pe people, ra rational people on the internet, especially in reviews, because I think this is where this, this strategy mm -hmm. can apply in negative reviews, people are kind of looking for reviews that reinforce their preconception of a property anyway, right? So if you've got someone complaining that you weren't allowed to check in because you were discriminated against, but you know what, the property has, uh, you have to be over 25 policy and you were 23, then I think that's a legitimate case to respond to that, right? But just don't make don't make a habit of responding combatively to every review because then you just come across as an ass, right? Which we see properties that just are anything negative they're going to combat. But you know, in some cases, I think you're right. I think you can can say no. You know what? Here's what really happened. Here's what we try to do. This person's just 
expectations are out of whack. Yeah, and you really do have to completely lay out the case for the person who was not there but that's reading the review. We've had a few customers really do stellar jobs of this, especially on TripAdvisor, where the person has a comment, it's incorrect, and you don't respond to every review on TripAdvisor, but really lay out the point as if you're almost describing it to a jury. This is what happened, this is what I did, this is why it was the best that could be done. And in this case, this customer's a little bit, you know, right. offline. And you are Yeah, and here here are the critical things to do. One Get a, get a third party to look at it before you respond, right? Make sure you're not being emotional about your response. Make sure that you're, you're being objective and, and fair. Don't ever, ever throw an insult at the person, right? Because that's easy to do. When you're in the heat of it and you're frustrated and this person's being a jerk, you want to call them a jerk. Don't call names because that really is when it backfires. And there was, a, there was a pizza restaurant in our local area that did this on social media where they start got in a fight because some people criticized them for letting an employee go. And there was, there was some backstory to it. But what happened was he started getting offended. He was from New York and you know we live in South Carolina. So he started saying how Southerners were so stupid. So not only had he been perceived as bad because of the way he handled this employee, but now he's insulted all the people in his local area, you know, so he's made it personal to people. And it just, it, it got really out of hand to the point there's a Facebook page that has 1500 followers that's against that pizzeria, which is about five times more than the actual pizza restaurant has on their Facebook page. So it can get out of hand when you take it personally. Right. Yeah, so take the emotional out, emotion out and check it with someone that's not invested in the situation. Yeah, in that case, there's two things you never do for someone in the South. One is talk about the South and talk about sweet tea. <laughs> so, and he talks about the South, which is was not a good choice. Yeah, for heaven him. forbid he had attacked sweet tea. <laughs> All right, so what's the last strategy? The last strategy is kind of passively monitoring. With uh, passive monitoring, um, you have to be careful you're not missing any opportunities. Uh, you can turn upset customers into lifelong guests as we've talked about here a couple times but you know d don't be too passive you want to make sure you catch those opportunities and and, and turn the turn those upset customers into into return customers yeah um, and make sure that when it is one of those issues that's just not important it's just one disgruntled guest that's just going to disappear it's going to fly into the interwebs and no one's really going to pay any attention to it unless you focus attention on it yeah, if it's just one comment, you know, one one upset person with a right. small comment, it most of the time it's, it's going to be okay to let that slide if it's especially look minor. look at the platform that this takes place on. So, for instance, if it's Phil's grumpy blog and he writes something about a hotel not being the best, you look at that, you say, okay, well, this site maybe gets two or three readers a month. Let that one go, but monitor it because. If it does start blowing up, you want to be prepared to, you know, jump into strategy one through four. Sometimes just ignoring it is the best thing to do, but it depends on the situation. Yes, yeah, so I think if when you work with those five strategies, just about anything you come across is going to fit into, you know, one of those buckets. And they will move from passively monitor to, you know, turn lemons and eliminates. They're going to move around. Just make sure you're, you're watching it. The one thing I would say is you do want to make sure before any of this stuff happens is you come up with a great plan. If you want Marriott's crisis management plan was actually released on WikiLeaks, 
And you can actually download it. It's from 2001, so it's pretty old. But if you look at how they lay out the process for everything from disgruntled guests to bomb threats, they do a very good job saying this is the process that we go through to make sure everybody's on the same page and we address the issue right away. And you avoid an employee handling it the wrong way. Right, you right. have when you have bad social experience. Yeah, so come up with that plan in advance, put it in writing, and involve the team. If it's your social, you know, you know, the stuff is hitting the fan plan, and you keep that to yourself, but your social media team does not know about it, it is useless. So you got to get everyone involved. You also have to work on building your social capital now. Whenever something like this happens, it doesn't matter if you're trying to turn lemons into lemonade. You can expect your social capital to take a hit initially. You have to make sure that you have enough of a fan base that's going to stand up for you until you can actually, you know, deliver on any of the strategies. Yeah, so being prepared for me does the most important thing it does is it takes emotion out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because often people react based on emotion initially before they've had time to digest and really respond properly. So taking the emotion out by having a step-by-step how-to, we'll link to that WikiLeaks um, Marriott article in the show notes, but it, it's it's probably overkill for a lot of properties, right? This is for a big corporation, but I think you can take some little nuggets out there of how they approach it. I mean, they've got crazy stuff like keys, like secret words, code names for different things. So they can communicate between properties about what's going on and how to resolve it without actually saying, okay, it's you know a terrorist threat with a bomb in this and there's children held hostage. It, they've got words for each of those things so they can communicate that in secret. But it is pretty cool. But taking emotion out of it, I think, really prevents you from making that small situation a lot worse, which is the biggest mistake most properties make. Okay, so do you want to talk about some uh, specific situations? Sure, we can jump into a few of the things that, you know, start out where, you know, a bad thing happened and we turned into a good thing. All right, so let's go back to the very start. We talked about this, you teased it earlier, Pete. So oh, the bed bugs. Let's talk about the bed bugs. No one wants to talk about bed bugs, but we're gonna tackle it because we're brave like that. You know when you have to talk about bed bugs? When you have bed bugs? Yeah, and when other people are talking about bed bugs. This is true. So, so in this case, kind of recap everybody, if you typed in hotel name, the recommended search was hotel name bed bugs on Google, which is a nightmare if you're a hotelier. This happened to a client of ours, and they did implement some of our recommendations, which ended up working very well to their favor. What we did was help them draft a series of articles about their bed bug remediation policy. And I actually learned a lot about this process. They have bed bug auditors come in on a quarterly basis. They have blacklight UV stuff that they use to detect if there are bed bugs. They have special hypoallergenic uh, washing machines and dryers. And it's amazing the technology that this particular hotel went to ensure that there were no bed bugs. Yet when we first brought it up, we're like, hey, this could be a problem. And then when you learned how far the hotel went, you realize this is a story that they probably should have been telling the whole time, mm-hmm. that they did a fantastic job. So we created a bunch of articles talking about this you know, very impressive bed bug policy. Now if you type that hotel name, sometimes it does show bed bugs, but the first couple results are all hotel name, you know, best 
you know, property for no bed bugs or whatever it might have been at the right. time. But so, it was really impressive. So it went from the top results being this property has bed bugs to this property doesn't have bed bugs because it does all this stuff. Right. Right. So it, it goes from a negative to a positive because now people are reassured versus being fearful, which is great. So, I mean, I think, again, like you said, that seemed to work really well. Mm -hmm. the, the volume of people searching for bed bugs has gone down. And they've really seen no negativity in terms of occupancy from that situation. Right. And it all started from just one review, one blogger writing a bunch of junk, right? Which exactly. was unsubstantiated in the first place. So let's talk about the other situation with the mattress and uh, what we did there. So it was a video. So putting a bunch of content, blog content, wasn't necessarily going to help us because at the time Google was trying to put one or two videos in every search engine results page. So we did the same kind of thing, but on YouTube. So we created a bunch of different videos, videos on amenities, videos on location, videos on specials. So we produced a ton of videos on YouTube, published those, put those on blogs as well, and then drove links to them. So they, and, and, and we encouraged people on social to watch these videos, drove traffic to the videos. And you know what? The one video that was negative talked about the mattress dropped way down in terms of the brand when you search on YouTube and dropped right out of the search engine results page. Uh, since then, that video has been removed, which was kind of handy, but we reacted and we produced videos probably within about a one to two week period to really mitigate the, the negativity that it was creating, which, which which is a lot quicker than going through the legal process, which a lot of people would have done. So what else? Let's. Uh, How about the, uh, the death of the Grand Floridian? Let's face it, there is no good outcome when somebody dies on your property. I mean, that's really hard to combat. Yeah, let's catch us up on what happened with that one. So at the Grand Floridian, there was a family out near a pond or a lake and a small child was wading literally like a foot into the water and was attacked by an alligator um, and killed, unfortunately. Like I said, there, there's really no coming back from that. All the apologies in the world is not going to bring that child back. So it's quite difficult for Disney to come back and, and do something in the right direction to make this as right as they can. But I think they did a, a, as much as they could to do the right thing. Um, you know, they've obviously, they've put up fences, they've put up signs, they've apologized profusely. You know, the CEO of Disney personally called the family to apologize. Uh, they were completely transparent about all the information that was available to them and, and they, they, they were honest about everything. So I think that they, they did the best that they could. Yes, yeah, that's one of those situations where there is, like you said, there's nothing you can do to spin this. And if Disney ever took that one of those strategies, it would be a nightmare for them. Especially when CNN and everybody else has that all over their TV station. That's, I mean, they did the best thing they possibly yeah. could to combat all the bad press they were getting. Yeah, and that's where we talked about making sure you've built your social capital because it's going to take a hit. Sometimes you just have to take it on the chin and you know that's the end of it luckily disney handled it the best they possibly could they like you said they closed the beaches they put up fences but then also a certain you know their, their fan base knew this is florida and there's only so much disney can do to truly prevent this type of you know horrific incident and you know they addressed it they addressed it decisively and then they stepped back and let it move on Exactly. They didn't make themselves really part of the conversation, which a lot of people would have tried to do. You know, mm -hmm. they didn't go over the top. 
Did they try to atone with the, the parents themselves? Sure, but they didn't publicly do anything to try to atone for it. This was horrific. I mean, this is, for a parent, this is the worst thing that could ever happen, right? And, and there are people on social media that are blaming the parents, that are blaming the property. There was a lot of blame going around, which, you know, is just is terrible. No one needs to see that. That doesn't help the situation. What, what the Floridian did, which was great, was they stayed out of that nonsense, right? They reported the facts, they gave access to the, the reporters, they provided statements, they, they uh, counseled the family, you know, and there's nothing else they could really have done than, than, than they did. So is this terrible? Absolutely. But it could have been, from a PR perspective, way worse for the property had they done anything differently. Mm-hmm. And you, have, you have really have two big problems when that happens. One is obviously the horrific event that occurred. And your other big problem is the attorneys. The attorneys are going to tell you, do not apologize, do not admit blame, and try to deflect as much as possible to prevent a lawsuit. That takes us into our fail stories of people who have completely failed at social to the one, uh, has it cartilage or Carthages? That is the property in Greece who had the issue where they made a lady cover up breastfeeding with basically a clarages. Clarages, thank you. Okay. We might have our end word now. Clarages. 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 All right. So but at Clarages. Yeah. So anyway, at Clarages, there was a mother that decided, had to breastfeed her newborn, was doing so, and people at the hotel came up and required that she basically put a bar napkin you know, over her shoulders to, to basically, you know, hide. Uh, the lady took pictures of herself, you know, covered up and, and not covered up, and there was obviously nothing to see whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But the hotel refused to be a little bit uh, touchy-feely and say, we apologize, this is not how we should have acted, we understand that that's a natural part of life and you need to have places for that. Instead, they said the classic attorney... You know, apology of we're sorry you felt that way. Yeah, and that's exactly. And she, you know, to be fair to her, she wasn't trying to make a big stink about this, right? She she did what anyone would have probably done, which is you got frustrated, you post something on social media, right? And it was kind of a quippy, sarcastic look at the difference between me covered up and not covered up, and these guys, you know, could have handled this better. But then it was like Huffington Post and these other guys. Because she used that hashtag breastfeeding tag, which if you do that, there's a lot of people that are big on this in, on this concept, and, and it, it's very controversial in a lot of places. Really shouldn't be. It's, it's nonsense that it is. But people just ran with this story, and it blew up. And like you said, the property, just they didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't understand why this offended so many people, and that's why they came out with the, we're sorry you felt uncomfortable, whatever it was that they said, which is ridiculous and that really that's when it really went crazy when they, they were like you admit you're wrong damn it you know I bet they have a plan now like Marriott what? does handle those type of things well, so that blew up in their face you would hope that their policy towards breastfeeding is a little different <laughs> yeah now. you'd hope so well and not only that there was one obviously he said Phil they did not have a plan two they completely listened to the legal advice of never admit fault and that just burned them and it's burning them to this day mm-hmm yeah, I mean, the way to handle that situation, I mean, I, I get sometimes you can have an employee that makes a judgment call that is not necessarily policy. Maybe that was policy. I don't know. But let's assume that's not their company policy. Let's just assume it was 
some person at the front desk that or at the restaurant that made a bad decision, right? That's when the property needs to stand up and say, we support breastfeeding, we apologize, you know, that shouldn't have happened. And they should have made a man. They should have atoned for what they did. Oh, yeah. If, if they decided to take a different track, do the right thing, apologize, and then go above and beyond, mm-hmm. hey, we've created a lactation room off of the lobby. Yeah. It's one of those things where, okay, all of a sudden you did something bad. You've addressed it. You've atoned for it. And you've turned it into a cornerstone of your great customer service. Mm-hmm. And instead, they just... Social media. Right. If they would have taken that route, we would have been talking about them in success stories (laughs) instead of fails. Exactly. Instead, they said, we are saddened by this conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. We all are. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we are. I'm very saddened. All right. So what what else? What are some other fails? Oh, we've got Amy's Baking Company. Uh, This isn't a hotel fail, but... It's one of the biggest social media fails we've ever seen. Yeah. So Amy's Baking Company was on uh, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, and it was it was not good. Um, they actually ended up leaving the show, which I guess was the first in the history of that show, and it went all awry on social media with a lot of profanity, and it, it was it was ugly, quite ugly. That is all I'm going to say about that, and definitely not handled well. No, they ended up they they ended up getting trolled because they handled it so poorly. That was uh, that was pretty terrible. If you're on Gordon Ramsay's show and you're the one who comes across as an ass, <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, and they, you know they they not only you know they did what we talked about earlier with the pizzeria. They they made it personal. They started attacking people, and and then you know then they brought God into the equation, which you know I, I don't you know I, I'm I'm a a Christian who goes to church most weeks. But when you bring God into an argument on social media and tell people that God is on your side, it's just it's it just sends every nerve in my body. Ah, oh, just drives me crazy. It's just not the way to handle an intelligent discussion. Yeah, that's asking for a battle. Yeah, I mean it is, and it's just it's it's waving the the sword in the wrong way. It's just it's just not the place, right? And and it it gives Christians a bad name, and it give, it makes you look ignorant as well and you know and then they went on to just tell everyone how you know they would quote unquote pray for them and how they were going to have a bunch of christian babies and <laughs> grow an army to combat all these it was just ridiculous i mean and then it was followed insane. up with all the profanity which is yeah. completely contradictory yeah. <laughs> which is very hypocritical you know so i don't know they just i don't know a case that's been handled worse than this i mean not these people are clearly insane right clearly Allegedly, so I don't get sued. Yeah, <laughs> um, clearly allegedly insane. But man, just someone at some point should have that, that has their ear should have be just put a hand on their shoulder and said, "Guys, just just let it." Go. I feel like their just friends knew they were crazy and they were watching it for humor. Like, let's see how far <laughs> this goes. Right. This is one that would have gone away, right? Because oh yeah, if you'd ignored this, it wouldn't have you, you wouldn't have gotten half the attention mm-hmm. you got. The trolls wouldn't have come. It would have just been a non-story. And now they're the prime example for social media fail. Exactly, it's terrible. So let let's go back. You mentioned this one earlier, Phil, about the the property that. Um, oh, the finding the guests. Yeah, that for was bad finding reviews. the guests. So so what what how could they have handled that? 
Uh, you don't just come out and say you were joking. <laughs> that's after finding, <laughs> yeah, 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 after you have fined people, yeah, after April they have, Fools, yeah, proof that you know people tried to be fined here. Yeah, don't don't come out and say, aha, I was just joking. Yeah, when <laughs> you're, you're going to get doing out. something wrong, don't do something even wronger, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. by lying about it, which is is crazy. So what I mean, guys, what would what should they have done? I mean, clearly they had a. a, a Stupid policy, right? That that should never be in existence. Not only is it unconstitutional and illegal to find people for leaving, a, a, you know, for freedom of speech for leaving a review, but then you make it worse by lying about it. What should they have done instead? Well, first of all, they didn't understand social in general. I don't think because you would never do that if you know that in Yelp's entire life is built on building you know, good qualified reviews. Right. And if you come out and say this, anybody who had the slightest inclination of what social media was all about would know this is what's going to happen. Yeah, so in this case, you say, this was horrible. It should never have happened. We apologize. We've addressed our concern. We've addressed the issues. We've apologized personally to every single person that we've even mentioned this to. And here's what we're going to do from now on to make sure we never have this problem again mm-hmm. yeah that's when you own up own up and realize you did something hold wrong. up yeah. your hands and just say yeah. we, we got it wrong you know this was a policy that's been in place for a while the person that created that policy is not here hopefully anymore and, and if you address it quickly mm-hmm. it does never becomes a big issue right. and yeah. the same thing with amy's baking company and all the other ones yes i made a mistake i apologize i fixed it i apologize i made amends Let's move on. And people will move on. We're a forgiving society in general unless you, you know, lie about something you've done. Exactly. So, I mean, those are some good, good examples, some bad examples. But, and, and we talked about some strategies as well. But there's, you know, we got this, we were just researching this episode. We found this article on Forbes. And we'll link to it in, in the episode. But they had a pretty cool five point or five steps towards effective crisis management. And, and this could be a PR nightmare. It could be a social nightmare, whatever it is. But this, I feel like, is a good just little rule of thumb to go through this this checklist. And they, they made it all cute by making every one of them start with an A. So the, the five A's of a PR crisis. So, Pete, what's the first A? Assess. Calmly Despite the stress that you may have, identify what the issue is and determine the best course of action. But take a step back, assess the situation. Do that quickly, right? Because sometimes speed is very important. Time is of the essence. But don't overreact. Don't knee-jerk. Make sure you get the facts. Make sure your emotion is not involved before you react. But yeah, so the first one is A, is is assess. So what's the second one? Uh, That'd be admit. Um, Admit you were at fault. Or if you were lying, admit you were lying. Just admit the transgression quickly and directly. Yeah, that's especially true if you're a politician. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so yeah, so we've got uh, assess and admit. So what's the third one, Melissa? Address. Specifically address what you are admitting and apologizing for. Don't mince words, be direct, and succinct. All right, so so this is... uh, Exactly like we talked about before, don't kind of deflect the apology to, to something else. Like just head on, straight at whatever the issue was. All right, what's the next one, Pete? After that, you want to make sure you atone for what you've done wrong. Make sure you make it right and let everyone know, one, not only if I made it right, I put a system in place to make sure this never happens again. 
Yeah, so in your case with the, with the breastfeeding incident, having the lactation room would be a perfect example of atonement, right? Because now you, you've made a, a physical change to your property specifically as a result of a mistake you made that now makes the property better for people that you may have offended. So that's exactly. And then what's the last A, Pete, uh, Phil? Adapt. Uh, move on. Uh, a better person or company. It's time, it's time to begin repairing and rebuilding your social capital. Right. So don't belay the, the issue. Uh, move on you know, with, with maybe a change of heart if you were in the wrong. If you've now created that lactation room, that becomes a part of your, your strategy, right? Your marketing strategy, because now you're appearing or appealing to new mothers and things like that. So, yeah. So to recap, we got assess, admit, address, atone, and adapt. So we'll, we'll put those on the show notes as well. Uh, as well as all the links to like that's the Forbes uh, article and all these other stories that we've talked about today we'll put on those Uh, if we've talked about your business in a negative way please don't sue us we would appreciate it very much (laughs) that would give you some bad PR as well but uh, any any final thoughts guys first thing I would say is understand that the social world is a very dynamic place stumbling blocks will come up it's not that they come up, it's how you handle them and move on. Agree. Anyone else have any final thoughts? I have to agree with that. I think it's it's inevitable that there, there are going to be some snafus in, in your world where something doesn't go the way you want it to. And it's not about what happened, but how you handle it. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about it earlier. Make sure you have a plan for this type of stuff. It's, it's inevitable. It will happen to you someday. So just know how to handle it before it comes your way. Good job, guys. So if you want to get these show notes, you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast and you click on episode 15, you'll get all these links here. Uh, one of the things we've run into is when we publish this podcast to uh, iTunes through SoundCloud, which is how we're doing it, we have a 4,000 character limit. So not all the show notes and all the links are going to show up if you're listening to this on iTunes. So again, click over to fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 15, you'll get all that. And on that note, please you know, subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Uh, follow us on social media on at Fuel Travel. And then, guys, where can they find you on social media, Pete? Well, they can find me at P DeMeo, P D I M A I O. And find me at P Fariska, that's P F O R I S K A. And I am at M A Cavanaugh, K A V A N A G H on Twitter. And you can find me on most social platforms at Stuart Butler, which is S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. And again, you can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. The giraffe's name was Joshy, not Petey.